Welcome to Five Pints In, the show where we're literally five pints in. Cheers. 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 So we've got a really special guest on the uh, podcast today, uh, Man City legend here, uh, Paul Dickoff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so uh, Ian, why don't, we, why don't we hand it off to you, give you a bit of the spotlight first and then you can... Uh, you can introduce you your mate here. Then you can bid me. Yeah, yeah, and then you can you can sign off and we'll get going with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to introduce one of my best friends in the whole world. It's Paul Dickoff. How are you, Mucker? I'm very well, Mucker. How are you? Uh, we're all doing good, son, all doing good. We've uh, told the boys a couple of weeks ago I wanted you to be my first guest. No, and they said, they said, Who's Paul Dickoff? <laughs> I was just going to say, when they said Man City legend, somebody just told me in Bishop once to speak to me, and I was thinking, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it must, I must need an alibi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, Miami Fusion legend Ian Bishop here. Oh, uh, yeah, cheers, man. <laughs> so, Paul, thanks for, well, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, but we've got one question for you. One of the rules about the podcast is everyone has to be five pints in. So. Least. Yeah, at least five pints in. So we have, we have to ask you, are you five pints in? And if so, what are you drinking? I'm not five pints of beer in. I've got um, I'm about four or five glasses of wine in at the minute. So the sun's been shining here in Manchester. So I'm sitting outside. Fuck you, sunshine. Sunshine in Manchester. Sunshine in Manchester. You'll have to send me a picture of that sun. Speaking to me, what, my wine or the sunshine? <laughs> <laughs> have you sent me a picture of your wine? Yeah, I've done actually. Already, we do that anyway. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny you're getting sunshine there. We're getting rain here in Florida. It's been miserable today, but um, yeah. So so you're drinking wine then, Ian? What it, what are you drinking? Because you, you you divulged earlier you're not drinking uh, beer. Yeah, this is where it's, it's supposed to be off the cuff. You know I've told you earlier, and you just well I've me just up. said you've I just said you told us earlier, just but you, to you have to you out on the podcast. Yeah, we have to we have to let everyone know what you're drinking. Yeah, I'm drinking sangria, pints of sangria. And then your husband is drinking what? <laughs> Have you got an umbrella in that as well? <laughs> Monsu, Monsu. <laughs> Sangria. What's wrong with that? If it's if it's in big glasses, what's wrong with it? As long as it's get, get on with it anyway. Yeah. Get on with you... it anyway. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Paul, we've got we've got some some good questions for you here, but we just want to start off with, I mean, the question that everybody has for for everyone in the world right now: What are you doing with your time off? Uh, not a lot, if I'm being honest. Uh, I'm getting bored. I've never, I don't think I've ever drank as much or run as much since I played. Uh, especially with you, Bish. But, well, I've done your run anyway, so that won't make any difference. So, um, But no, you know what? It's actually quite nice. I've been doing a lot of travelling recently um, with Man City and um, all corners of the world. And it's just nice, nice to be at home. And the surprising well, yeah. thing is, the surprising thing is, um, we've got three kids that are at home, obviously Jan. Uh, and we're not strangling each other yet, so it's all is good so far. How long? How long do you give it then? Because I'm I'm going a bit stir crazy staying indoors right now. Uh, well, how long's a piece of string, <laughs> uh, Jordan? Do you know what I mean? It's like um, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know what's like over there with you guys, but um, I think this lockdown thing's going on indefinitely at the minute. Yeah. Um, and look, it's I know here they have a bit of laugh and everything else, but. I was one of these at the start a few weeks ago that when it sort of started, I was a bit blasé about it, sort of saying, I thought it'd be fine, and it's just a bit of flu, but obviously it's got, it's got really serious over here, and 
Um, I think as long as everybody adheres to the rules, sorry to be a bit sensible about it, but um, hopefully we'll be out it sooner rather than later. Well, when he when he talked, Jordy, about the you know the drinking and the running when we were back in the day, he was <laughs> he was one of them people that could do both. I wouldn't profess that I was. Um, <laughs> I saw it I more. Sort of... I saw it more as you were the drinker and he was the runner. So well, no. <laughs> well, well, you see, this is what you've got. To, this is what we bring him on for, so we can find out all the little nuances of what he was really good at. I, there's no, there's no doubt. I, I don't know if you remember there was an episode in Derek where. Carl Pilkington's character is the bus driver, and he turned around and said, Derek, you're like a wasp on a bus. That's what Dickie was like in training. <laughs> he was I like a night out. <laughs> night out, yeah. <laughs> he was everywhere, trust me. And, and them days where you'd been out with him, you knew for a fact how much you'd drank and how much we'd all drank. And then we're suffering the next day in training, thinking, ah, you know what, we'll go a bit easy. We all know what each other's been doing. And then there was him. Just a, just a man on his own that was just flying around all over the gap. You just you just hoped he was on his team in the fire side or yeah, the keeper. I was a freak of nature, but um, I put that down to my, my upbringing at Arsenal with the lads there. Um, <clears throat> with the Tuesday club and the, obviously Tony Adam, Paul Merson, Ray Parler, Steve Ball. Yeah, bingo, bingo that. day, bingo. Yeah, it was, and, and, and the guys were amazing because they went out and they... And you know that special. They, they went out and you, you talk about work hard, play hard, and play hard and work hard at the same time. And yeah, you know that group of players love drinking. But the next day in training, if you weren't at it and you weren't on it, you get left behind. You yeah, know what I mean. And the, the lads used to sit down and say, "Look, the gaffer knows we've been out the night before. He knows we've been out the night before. So you are training the best training session you've had today, or, or we're all getting it." And yeah, but George, where it came from. George could have a few bottles of wine, couldn't he? As well, oh, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He his wine. I mean, he it's great. It. We had we had that a little bit with Joe, didn't we, mate? He, he knew he had a camaraderie in the dressing room, and, and he didn't mind us going out for a pint because he had a beer himself. So, uh, uh, but I think them type of managers, like you say, if you're not up to it on the training field, you, you'll soon know about it, and he'll soon stop you. Well, he wouldn't and stop then, you because we'd, we'd always find a way of doing it again, wouldn't we? Bob? We would, and, and, and he trusted us well, to a certain extent. Um, yeah. and, and he knew if we were out the night before, he knew the ones that were at it the next day in training. And, yeah. and because and because Joe was like that, Bish, and we used to speak about it a lot. You wanted to do it even more for him. Yeah, I'm not saying, but because he let us go out and have a drink, but he let us he let us all be ourselves as long as <laughs> we got there. Well, we'll get to we'll get to some of the stories after what, when what, he didn't let us have a drink. <laughs> was it was it more of an ego thing at Arsenal? Because I feel like if I went out, I would be the one. I would want to be the one to drink the most, and then I train and want to be the one that trained the hardest. That's my boy. With the yeah, first uh, bit, anyway. With the first bit. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say it was, it was an ego thing. It was. I mean, I, mean, I was a young kid at the time, and if, if he actually. From my perspective, and the rest of the guys, the youth team, and the young guys that were first year pros, if if the lads invited you out, the first team lads invited you out, it was a huge compliment to you. Yeah, you know, but because they were really close knit, and and I remember even going back to the youth team days, and there was so many talented players that when I first came down from Scotland, I felt so far out of my depth. 
Um, because was that were, your first drink, Dickie? Was that your first, or, you know, being Scottish, did you start when you were about no, seven I, years old? Yeah, and I was about four, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and don't, don't, yeah. they also, don't they also say smoking stunts your growth? <laughs> it does. I, I wouldn't know about that myself, <laughs> would I, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but um, the problem my first proper drinking was, yeah, when I was down at Arsenal. You know, I was a young kid in London on my own. I left home when I was 16, and all of a sudden I was stuck in this city, and... Yeah. I've spoken what a city, before, what a city, mate. What I know, city. It, it, unbelievable. And I spoke to you, I actually hated it for six months. I just wanted to go home. And then oh. once I went out a couple of times, I thought, this is actually quite all right down here as a young <laughs> lad in your own um, and enjoyed yourself. But um, Did you start on the log of Shandy's like we did? Or no, lag tops were put into straight Lager away. Lag tops, yeah. yeah you're you're advanced. Yeah. Um, and then, the, before you know it, the, you're out in, in Dover Street Wine Bar, you're in Covent Garden, the, <laughs> the likes of Tony Adams and everybody else. But, you know, I'll go back to what I was saying at the start, but it was a compliment that actually invited you out. And, you know, a, a lot of the younger lads, and I didn't realise this till I was probably Arsenal three or four years. Um, when you're on your youth team, I'm not saying it's completely different now, but, you know, you're cleaning the changing rooms, you're cleaning the boots. You're a yeah. bit of a target for the first team lads. You know, Big time, always, yeah. Especially at Christmas, mate. Christmas yeah, with the uh, initiations. Yeah, they're getting to do stupid things there. You walk in the first team changing room, if you don't knock on the door, you get a slap around the head and yeah. and all little things like that, which you could never get away with now. Um, and I remember we were out one night and there was Tony Adams, there was Steve Bolt, who was an unbelievably top guy, looked after me. Um, and I sort of said to him, all that, it would get called bullying now, wouldn't it? Which it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. It was, it was testing your character. And I was saying, what was that about? And they said, well, we need to know as a first-team squad what young lads we can trust, whether we're on the training pitch, but more important than a Saturday. <clears throat> he said, and the two young lads that came back every single day at the same time, before Emdy left the first team to take the abuse, to take the banter, to, was you and Ray Parler. They said, that's mm. why you and Ray Parler are out with us now. <laughs> well, one, because you can both drink. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and two, because we know that you're on our side in training on a Saturday, that we can trust you. Yeah, I've seen a couple of videos where Ray's actually still at it. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how different it is now, though. But I mean, one thing is, do you think that do you think that sort of camaraderie from back then? I mean, it's a different type of camaraderie that there is in the dressing room now. Do you think that's sort of what shaped the game into becoming less? physical or I don't, I don't really know how you'd put it but do you think it's had a big effect that sort of change in the dressing room on the game today um i, I think there is i don't think you'll ever get the camaraderie that in some of the squads out in this but especially the 99 squad fish which was yeah. just amazing um and you know i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying it's wrong but the teams i was remotely successful in were, were the teams that had the best team spirit and the best group of lads um, and the managers who, who managed that well. Um, and it wasn't towards the end, the end of my career. I wouldn't say the camaraderie's going out there. I, I just don't think they're allowed to, guys, anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, God forbid, and, and thank God that there was no camera phones around when we were playing. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got a few videos we can post. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So far. <laughs> they were done on purpose, though. That's, most of them were done on purpose. Yeah, yeah of course no. they were. Um, and, and, and I look at the guys now, and it's just impossible for them to, to do anything. And, you know, I know a lot of them would like to go out and have a drink and have a proper night out, but they just can't. You know? Would we? Would we have sneaked out 
Dickie, you think would we, if we were playing today, would we have found a way? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always dead. Would you, would you have ended up upside down in a bed in a wall? <laughs> Absolutely. It would have been. It would have been that Andy Dufresne just filled his bed full of pillows and he snuck out with a poster. <laughs> sure, Shank. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's tunneled his way. Yeah. He always found a way. Yeah, even, even at 47, I still find a way, but don't tell Jan. <laughs> He's got a little trap door at the end of the garden, yeah. and a dummy of himself sitting outside drinking a glass of wine, haven't you, son? <laughs> but it's life size as well. It's one of the little, um, it's one of the little dolls I just sit in the, sit in the corner. <laughs> it's why it's why he didn't want a FaceTime video. He's covered in his yeah. camouflage gear. He's got your bushes sticking out of his hat. <laughs> Hey, not for the first time. <laughs> no one me, would it? Fucking up. Did did you uh did did both of you did you find that you had better chemistry on the pitch with the lads you were you were out with more often? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you, I think it goes hand in hand. You know, I think if your mates off the pitch, you automatically click on the pitch. Yeah, well. I must admit. I must admit. I must admit. Like, like. I had a few moves in my time, and I know you did eventually, Dickie, but um, when I moved, I sort of, I said to myself, oh, it's going to be different now. Maybe I should slow down my, my lifestyle. And, um, you know, these, these are new teammates. Maybe if I set a, a different, you know, if I, if I start out a different way, then I can maybe slow down my lifestyle. And you just end up gearing towards the lads that... <laughs> That are like you, and it just ends up starting yeah. all over again, but in a different place, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But I think that goes in, um, boys. That it's even if you move, if you move to another club, if you get another player coming into the club, football is such a small world that everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And 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 me and Bish had bumped into each other a few times, and you know certain players at other clubs, and you, you call them up and say, "What's he like as a lad?" And they say, "Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic in changing him." And you automatically, from the first day they come in, you you, you get together, don't you? Um, yeah. And I think we just we just yelled straight away, didn't we? I think it yeah. helped that we room with each other, even though there's some stories behind that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and. It's just one. It's just one of them things. You, you know, before lads are coming into the change room or before you're going into another club, because you speak to people all the time, and you know the lads you're going to get on with. And, and and to be fair, I don't think I could probably count in one hand. Oh God, what did I play for? Thirteen clubs, including loans. Wow. One hand, if that, of the amount of decades that were involved in yeah. all the clubs yeah. that were in, because because everybody was the same at that time. You know, you wanted to enjoy yourself, but you wanted to have a career. And you wanted to make sure that wherever you were, that you, first of all, you backed yourself, but you backed your teammates at the same time as well. Yeah, it almost seems like there was a, you know, a, a football, I mean, there was a football culture, obviously, but it's like you, if you were going to make it back then, you almost needed that sort of, um, that spirit inside of you that sort of drove that, again, going back to the camaraderie again, you know? Well, in all, in all honesty, Joe, there was, there was clubs, and I did see it at certain places, where... But the the non drinkers were sort of sort of cast aside. Yeah, you they were know, upon, they? yeah, they frowned upon. Yeah, you, you, it was like, almost like a lack of trust. You know, you, yeah. you wanted to get up. I, to always remember, I always remember you after training one day. Me and you went for a pint in 
Oh God, the, the which which day was that? Like which that. day was that? <laughs> no, but that that was every day. But it was just one day <laughs> that you said this to me. But actually, you said it to me every day. And you went to me. You went. Okay. He went. Well, listen to me now. He went, Let me tell you this. You went. Never trust anybody that doesn't drink. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, I remember him telling that to us when we were when we were five years old as well. <laughs> That's what started us off. It's still getting good stead, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It has. Oh, sorry, I thought. Well, both of you, all of you, all of you. <laughs> you make me feel like the granddad now. Well, you see that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I always was, wasn't I, mate? I was always no, the yeah. granddad. No, always the granddad. Always looked after us. He did. It's it's definitely more independent now with the I mean you see the likes of uh, Benzema snitching and ratting out a bunch of his French and Real Madrid teammates, and it's feel it feels like no, no one can even go out and see each other the other teammates after a game or anything without them getting fined. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's that's without the the, the social distancing. That's before yeah. that. That's the way the, that's the way the game's going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, well, mate, you know what? I mean, for me, obviously, I, I didn't realise at the time, obviously, being an Arsenal fan since I was a kid, that I was obviously a fan of you because you played for the team that I grew up supporting as a boy. But obviously didn't get to know you until we, we became teammates. And we've, we've had a couple of conversations recently, and one name that, that has cropped up with everything good in the game is Dennis Bergkamp. Oh, now, I know you, you played... Some games alongside him, and and he's a he's a favourite of Connor's. So, Connor, if you want to uh, if you want to quiz him, feel free. I I just uh, I mean we obviously all saw I mean we see the footage today. You know, like uh, uh, I mean I wasn't alive at that time really, or um, I was too young to be able to pay attention. But I think I got the end of his career. But... I don't think I was alive sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Yeah, we'll go into that later on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just I, I wanted to ask. Um, I mean, I feel like I already know the answer, but I, I imagine he was better in training than he was on the pitch somehow. Uh, um, just the exact same. And he, it's yeah. one of these people. That's the one question. Sure, you get asked the best. Who's the best player you played with? Yeah. Who's the best player you played against? And without a shadow of a doubt, the best player is Dennis. Yeah. Um, he was just... that's, his, that's his nickname for me. Yeah. Den. Yeah. Dennis the Menace. Den. <laughs> Dirty Den. EastEnders. Yeah, that's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just but he was just the complete footballer. He had everything. What a lot of people don't realise. He sees assists, he sees goals, he sees touch. He was nasty as well. He yeah. didn't mind leaving an elbow in and Oh yeah. Um and he had every single attribute. And for me, I, I just thought he was the best player in the world. And to to be in training with him every single day, look, I, I played a handful of games with Dennis in the first team, which people will say to me, he didn't play a lot of games at Arsenal and this and that, but I don't. I had seven and a half years there, and it was the best football education and probably life education I've ever had. Um, and to be in training with players like Wrighty, Dennis, up against Tony Adams, Steve Bold, Martin Keon, it was just that, that no doubt I would... I don't think I would have had the career I went on to have if I hadn't experienced that every single day and just seen was, good was, play as well. Mate, was, was Platy there as well? Because we, we had a thing last week or the week before about you know top players, English players, I think we sort of leaned to, and he wasn't mentioned, David Platt. I know no, no. His, 
his goal scoring record as a as a well what what was called a midfield player I don't believe midfield players go from the halfway line forward but no. did you did you did you manage to play alongside him yeah, I, I, did, I was there what did I you think of him um, and I loved him and he sort yeah. of changed I know the mentality Arsenal changed when when Arsenal came in but obviously Platt had been out in Italy for four or five years and, and came back um, and his whole he's, the discipline about how he trained and how he looked after himself and he was just he was one of these there was a little and, and boys you probably won't remember it but, um, well, won't be able to compare it it was a little bit like Frank Lampard in a way where he just used to I was about to say that yeah yeah it, it would be in the middle of the parks really doing all and before you knew it it would be in the box um, scoring a goal and, and that was party for you you know he'd, he knew how he timed his runs and I think if you're looking at the best English midfielders I think you're right Bish He's, he never ever really gets mentioned in that yeah, it's, oh. it's funny he didn't he didn't come up last week. I mean, the reason we 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 started talking about this, and this is a sort of a good segue into the next question, is we did uh, a segment on can you name? It was actually an argument Connor and Ian had last Christmas. Can you name ten players better than Paul Gascoigne? And Dennis Bergkamp actually didn't make Ian's top ten. So, Paul, what do you think? Would you put Bergkamp above Paul Gascoigne? Would he make it up there? Yeah, I would have to. I would have you to. Have Gascoigne was yeah. a genius. You have yeah, to, Gaza, yeah. Gaza, Gaza was a genius. He was, and um, but you know, I'm I'm slightly biased, and it's not the Arsenal Tottenham thing. It's just that I've, I've seen Dennis um, up close every single day, and you know, as a, as, as a forward, even in training, if he made a run, and Dennis, it wouldn't matter if he was ten yards away or sixty yards away. If you made a run, you'd have to look over your shoulder to see where the ball was landing. You knew if Dennis was on the ball that the ball was landing at your feet. Yeah. Just, just yeah. to uh, protect myself a little bit there, fellas, to be <laughs> no, fair. No, 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 you don't I, get to do I know that. I know we of three against one, and it is going to get worse, but I actually <laughs> two, had Bergkamp. Two and a half. In my... <laughs> two and a half I men hope. against one. <laughs> <laughs> I had Bergkamp in my Zola and Cantona group. So oh, they win. You had didn't much... I? To be, it yeah, was to fr- be fair. Yeah, he was fringe, and you did... You They're did... the ones I couldn't quite... I couldn't quite, and if I was put on the spot... I said no, but them three were the ones closest for me, the hardest for me to judge. Yeah, I mean, when, when we... Cantona, you, made a whole, you made a whole Burkamp group with Ginola, Malatissier, Zola, Shearer, Zidane. Oh, I mean, when well, we asked yeah. you... Oh, you've got a good memory, haven't you? He's yeah. got it on you his phone. He wasn't drunk enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got it on his phone. five fines. Nightmare, that's cheating. <laughs> but yeah, it you... wasn't enough you win in the argument, Con. We did, we did ask you, and you made some weird noise we've never heard before. You know, so you're on the fence. <laughs> Don't know where the fence was. <laughs> Involuntary noises. <laughs> that happens when you get old. I've heard a few of them. <laughs> All right, we'll get to the roommates later. Yeah, he was yeah. sitting on the fence, literally. <laughs> I just, I would just say Dennis all day long, just because I'd the, the honour of. Um, of being in the same pitch, whether it be training or, or on a match day, he was just, he was just phenomenal. And you, do you know what? Off the pitch as well, he was a really funny guy, really dry. People had this yeah. thing about him that he was really quiet and kept himself to himself. But he was um, sometimes they're the worst, mate, aren't they? Yeah, they are. The quiet ones are the worst ones. Um, and um, he had a really dry sense of humour. And, and I think the biggest, especially at that time as well, because there wasn't a lot of foreigners actually coming in. To, um, and he got accepted straight away by the boys. And his first training session, he was the largest 
stopped at one point and just started clapping their hands and we're doing the shooting at the end. I mean, he, uh, just that good. he was coming off, uh, he was obviously, he was decent at Ajax when he was a kid and then he went to Inter Milan, didn't he? And he had a bad season and then everyone brought him off and then he went to Arsenal and obviously did what he did. So, I mean, in my opinion, he's he's my top, he's in my top five, 100%. Well, Dickie, oh, yeah. Dickie, Dickie do, do you think it's, because of the quality of the, the squad they had, that it was it's sort of blocking you a little bit. You know, you proved to everybody that it was as good as they come as a as a front man. As a, I mean, I mean, I remember. I'm not going to blow smoke up you, Jacksy, but I used to Again. watch you running past. <laughs> I used to, <laughs> not, not without uh, ten pints in. To be honest with you, yeah, you can't do that. Um, this is a story six, from a night out. You yeah. can't do that from six feet away social distancing either, can you? Well, that's fair enough. He could, because he's more an experienced smoker. <laughs> I was going to say blower, but we can't. Well, <laughs> next question. But, no, the thing was with you, mate, do, do you feel that, that the quality of them players sort of blocked you going forward? I did something for BBC Cumbria yesterday, and, and they were asking why I left Everton, and I said, well, there's about five or six reasons. Kevin Sheedy, Peter Reid, Paul Bracewell, Trevor Stephen... Kevin Richardson, you know, it was, for me, it, there's, there's sometimes it's a time to go, you know what I mean? Did you feel that way because Absolutely. of the quality and, and, that was in front of you? Maybe, and, and maybe, Bish, if I look back now, not, not maybe, I maybe should have left a little bit earlier. You know, I, I went down as a young kid when I was 16, left home, small <clears> town <throat> in Scotland, and I left, I was there, what? Small town, and, what was it, Lilliput? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, son. And at at that time, there was um, Arsenal had this unbelievable reputation. God bless them, David Rocasso, Mickey Thomas, Kevin Campbell, Martin Hayes, Tony Adams, Martin Keon at the time. All these kids that came through the youth system and they had this reputation of giving them a chance. And as much as I was in and out in the first team squad, probably from 20 to 22, I was always in the first team squad. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but usually, but usually, fourteenth man sitting in the sand, yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah. or getting on the bench. And but because of the the quality I had around me and the way Arsenal as a club looked after me as a young kid, I didn't want to leave. Where I made the sure on. And even then, looking at that, I mean, ahead of me there was Alan Smith, Ian Wright, Kevin Campbell, Dennis had come in, Paul Merson, Johnny Arson had come in. Yeah. You know, and all these players, they, they were like, I, I was never going to break through, but I, kept, I, I was clinging on <laughs> to being there because I was always in the yeah. squad and getting yeah. that sub-appearance and then getting the odd start in the Cups. Um, and I always remember going back, and I must have been about 19, I think I was. I just played against Oldham in the Cup and scored two goals. Um, they won 3-0, and there was this big who had this young kid that came down from Scotland. And George Beham done yeah. an interview on the TV after the game and basically said, they were asking about who, about me and done this and the future of the, the, future of the club and, and George actually <clears> said, he went, I'll tell you one thing about Paul Dickov, he, he said he will have a very good career in football. Never right. said at Arsenal. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, that's, that <laughs> rang a bell with me as soon as you said that. Yeah, and, but at 19, he said, just scored these goals, I didn't even think about it. But I look back yeah. now and I think, it was absolutely bang on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was never yeah. going to get to the levels of the the Wrights, the Bearcamps, the Mersons, 
and all these people I was up against, but he knew right. because of my attitude and how yeah. I applied myself and the bit of ability I did have <laughs> that I would have a good career. And um, well, I had, a, I had a similar thing, similar thing with Howard Kendall when he let me go from Everton. I know he put a sell-on clause to Carlisle, which, in my eyes, said that he still rated me, and he thought, without actually saying the words, he thought that I was going to be somebody, and he was covering Everton's backside by letting me go and having a having a sell-on clause. Going just just going back to them, make it extra special because I've been doing some research, as Connor has. You you know, after after leaving Arsenal, did it make it extra special when you went back with Leicester and scored at Highbury? Um, do you know what? It never bothered me, Bish. It never bothered me because whatever. And I, I know I took a lot of stick, um, especially when I'm back with Leicester to City and scored, and I celebrated. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Was that was the knee slide? Did you do a knee slide then? I, I absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got away with it. Yeah, but I was playing for that. But you know, I'll, I'll go back to the Leicester Arsenal thing in a minute. But um, that game when I went back with Leicester um, to the Etihad with City, first time since I'd left. Um, it's the only game I've ever been cheered on. Right. And booed off. And booed off. And booed off. <laughs> <laughs> By the City fans at the same time. But um, I mean that. The Arsenal thing, because it was the Invincibles, I had, I had this thing, and look, I've got a massive, massive soft spot for Arsenal, I don't think everybody knows that, because they were brilliant to me, but they were going for the Invincibles, and in my head, the way I was, and you know what I was like, I was a little yeah. different, yeah. I, I was just that focused on on doing my job, and yeah. if that didn't stop in Arsenal, um, getting the Invincible things, we were already relegated to Leicester, so... We really had nothing to play for. So, but going into the game, I was just thinking to myself, I want to stop these guys doing it. Right. You know, and and yeah. I knew, I, but I also knew I was on the verge. And there was a lot of clubs because Leicester had been relegated, had the clause in my contract. Yeah. And there was a, there was a lot of clubs that that wanted to come in and get me because I just played in a relegated team and scored 14, 15 goals that season for them. Yeah. Um. So I just went out the mindset that I was just going to be my usual self, as in. So you thought gonna... you thought you'd take Leicester down and bin them? <laughs> no, no we're, already, <laughs> we're, we're already down. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and, Go on. And I was, I was actually I was close to staying at Leicester because Mickey Adams was brilliant with me, but um, <clears throat> because I just had a, a good season back in the Premier League. I'd missed out a season in the Premier League because Kevin Keegan had sold me um, to Leicester. And then I was I, I wanted to stay there. I wanted to play as high as I possibly could. Um, and the two great seasons at Leicester. What was that, and, five foot four? What? That was my problem. No, I thought I was six foot two. <laughs> and, Sorry for interrupting, son. Go on. No, and, but I just wanted to, to play at the highest level. And I spoke to about seven different clubs, and in the end, they still had the house here in Manchester, and the kids were young. Um, I spoke to Moyes at Everton, um, spoke to Harry. Um, he was at Why does seven spring to mind, mate? Why does the number seven spring to mind? <laughs> because I can still count them all. <laughs> Hi, yo. Yeah. Come <laughs> on. And. I went and spoke to Graham Soonest and so he just said to me, he was Blackburn manager at the time, and he said, look, before you went to City, um, I was signing for Southampton when I left Arsenal. I was actually on my way down. 
to find for Graham when he was manager there. And then he um, got a phone call from Jordi Armstrong to say Alan Ball had been on, can you sign for City? And Graham had always wanted me since then. And the fact to bring the family back up to Manchester. And, and Graham, yeah. out of all the managers, I wouldn't say he was the most honest because they were all great. He was... I just... I, I liked how he spoke to me. He said to me... I, he basically said, we are missing what you can give us. And he went, I'm not going to bullshit you. He went, what have other clubs offered you? If I offer you this now, will you shake my hand and look me in the eye and give me your word? And I thought, I thought, yeah. And you know what it's like when you're moving clubs. People are penny-pinching and they're saying this. And will you come for this? And can you go for this? And maybe this, that and the other thing. And Graham was just up front. And I was yeah. literally in his house for 10 minutes and shook hands with him and that was it. Happy days, mate. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, we're skipping forward a lot here. We've got obviously got a lot to cover. Um, one thing I wanted to say was jumping from Arsenal, you were talking about how you should have jumped a little earlier, um, you know, just with, with the talent that, that you had ahead of you. Obviously, you had determination to jump into the first team and, and in the starting 11. You went on loan a few times, but as a City fan, I mean, I'm. I can say I'm extremely happy that you made that that <laughs> leap, you know. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners will will agree with me. Um, and we'll get back to the on pitch details in a little bit. But obviously, that spurred on to what you're doing today um, as an ambassador for for Man City. Um, can you can you just touch a little bit on? I mean, we've got obviously West Ham Everton fans listening. Um, can you just touch on on a little bit of what what you're doing with Man City today and and what what that ambassador role? entails and means for you yeah uh, it means everything to me um, and I think like a lot of the boys especially go back without keep going back to that 99 season that squad of players if they're not City fans now and I'm sure you agree with me bitch, that they've got a massive soft spot for City Big because, of, because of how the club is and, and was back then you know it's an amazing club it's a family club um, and after playing home for a couple of seasons it's very difficult for the club not to get to you and, and become a Man City supporter so so for me now still working for the club and representing them um, in all corners of the world it's it's just an amazing thing you know I'm, I'm a lucky boy and the stuff I do ranges from God the last year or so I've been to been to China Japan the States India Indonesia Australia <laughs> Egypt, um, and any time the club have got an event on, whether it be a fan event, a lot of the stuff's to do with the partners they've got, because the club's got that big now, but every every country and every continent in the world wants to be a part of Manchester City now, because of the success they're having, and, and for me to be able to go out there and represent them and do the media stuff around them and meet the fans out there, it's, it's an amazing thing to do. Um, well, and the boys the boys know also, Dickie, that, that when we go back uh, and they've, they've come to the games, when we have taken them to some of the games... You're treated like a hero, aren't you, mate? It's yeah. It, you could be you could be easily forgotten, you know, for the length of time it was. Especially me. I mean, I know you went back, but um, for for it to be twenty odd twenty odd years, and and I, I, I won't forget, you know, what they did for us with the reunion, mate. I mean, I know we can touch on that a little bit later, but um, just just going to the games, just just turning up for for any individual game. And taking people with you, it's um, the, the way you treat it is—it's like nowhere else. It is, it is, and you know the 
from, from the fans, you know, as soon as you get out the car park, the fans are on you straight away. You know, they're, they're, they're the best fans in my point of view, um, but because they never forget. But then I also think that the owners don't get the credit that they deserve and the people who work at the club, because everybody sees Man City now as the City Football Group, they're owned by billionaires in Abu Dhabi, and, but they don't forget the past. You know, and as you said, when, when, when any ex-player, whether it be me, you, or the go Andy Morris and Kevin Orlock, whenever they go back, they literally treat you like heroes, and it shows that, that they never forget. And, and one of the big things for me about the club is, even going back to the main road days, you go to the Etihad now, and there's people like, you know, Danny Wilson, who was working in the ticket office 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Vicky Kloss, you know, Chappie. Yeah. Yeah. It's still surrounded by people that worked... So, so as much as the clubs moved on to a ridiculous level now, they, like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't just take the people, did they? They took the attitude and the camaraderie and and the family environment. Even though it, you know, the game went corporate, I still think there's an element of family about the club. You know, oh, it wasn't that. I, and I've seen it. The, the massive difference, and I speak to West Ham fans all the time. The massive difference between. You know the the environment of Upton Park and and what it is now in the in the London Stadium. You don't I don't feel that with the transition from. I know people do miss Main Road and a lot of good things happened while we were there, but it's not the same transition. It's been an easier transition to go to the Etihad. Maybe yeah. success success has something to do with that, but it was before the success. You still had that feeling that they brought the family environment from Main Road into the Etihad itself. It is, and then it was, it was the forefront for every day at the club, whether it be past owners or the present owners, to keep heart and soul of the club there, because that's what Manchester City is all about. It's about the fans, it's about the community, it's about the family feeling, it's about ex-players, and, and, and they've got it down to a T. And I honestly do count myself very lucky that that I'm involved with the club in these times where they've been successful and, and doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I laugh and joke about it, and it's probably true, but, you know, it's amazing what one goal does 20 years ago. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and what a goal, son, what a goal. Yeah, I, I know, but, but even and going back to that, you know, that talking about the success helps. Success helps massively because I don't, I don't think, and I know about the reunion um, that, that we had last year, which was amazing, that the guys were saying, like, maybe 10 years ago that game was, it was important to the club and part of the history. But I think because the success the club's getting now, it sort of magnifies from... But because they're winning Premier Leagues and they're winning quadruples and getting hundred points and it's a, it's a much nicer story for everybody to, because they're winning things now than it was ten years ago. Ten years ago, it was a Gillingham game that got us out the old Division Two. Now people are saying it was that game that was a catalyst to it, to where they are now because they're winning Premier Leagues. If you know what I mean. Well, Con, if you Con, if you remember the other week we were talking about goals and assists and, and Dickie was a goal scorer and and and, and he. he well, to be fair, he would have got more goals if he didn't, if he didn't do his strike partner's defensive side of the game as well. That was one of my things about him, and I meant to say it earlier. We, we sort of digressed a little bit, but he would have got double the goals he has in his career, which is still very, very creditable amount of goals. Anyway, but you would watch him be on the right side defensively when when the other keepers got it. And the ball would be thrown out to the right back, and he would run past his his centre forward partner to go and close that full back down. It was just the way he was. It was in him to want to do that work. So if he wasn't 
doing all the extra stuff and being able to get it's well look I can sort of relate it to myself being the one who drops deep how can I drop deep and start things and then be on the end of things it's it's not always going to work like that um but but this the Wembley thing it sort of like relates in a way to I got my pleasure out of assisting because I didn't score that many goals so the Wembley thing was more like an assist to what to what came after yeah the success go on I I couldn't agree more but it's it was in my makeup to do that. And, you know, people say to me, "Oh, you didn't score enough goals." <clears throat> or, uh, you know, I never said that. I never said that. Yeah, no, no. That's the one. Yeah, but honestly, one hundred million percent. And you know, this bishop, it didn't bother me whether I scored or not. You know, no. As long as I knew I was doing my job on the pitch, what yeah. I was supposed to do, what my team. Well, my my point was, if you did more than your job, what I wanted my... to do. My point was, yeah, mate, you did, but, more, but, you did more than your job. You did other people's job as well. Yeah. yeah. That's I, the point I, I was getting to. to. I, I, I remember you saying to me, <laughs> albeit in a pub again, why don't, you, <laughs> why don't you just stay up top? Why are you doing yeah. his work? Why are, you, why are you running past your other centre forward to go and close him down? And I'm like, well, that's me. That's my makeup. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm yeah. good at. And, and that's what gets me going. Do you know what I mean? I could, there's no way I could have been a centre forward, a number nine no. or a number ten that, that just stood up there. No, and, I, and I don't. I don't know why I said that actually, because I remember in my in my days at West Ham, Alvin Martin used to say the same to me. Why do you come back so deep to help us out when we've got possession really deep, and then you're getting yourself in trouble? Yeah. And I said, well, that's. I don't think about that. It's just a natural thing that I do, and I, I couldn't it, possibly it, change it. And, and deep down, you knew that's what made you take and made your teammates take. Yeah, you, you doing that was the start of it all, and me doing what I was doing, I knew that made everybody else tick. Yeah, if I knew I was closing a fullback down, it's infectious, isn't it? I know everybody else is going to follow with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I don't do it, then before we know it, the ball's going to be in our own half, and they're going to be in the attack. So it was just, and it goes back to knowing what you're good at as well. And, and I was good at being a pain. Well, in you can't teach that, mate. You know, you can't teach yeah. that. And That's in you or it isn't. It is. It's the, it's the desire to to just be the best you can all the time, and that's all I ever wanted to be. I knew I was never going to be somebody that was going to get the ball and beat five, six, seven players and stick it in the top corner, <laughs> unless my kids were three and four years old. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I knew that wasn't me. Mate, that's so... that's why I was that's why I was always last to go home from the pub. <laughs> I wanted to be the best. That's what I did. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Paul. It was well. just in me. It was just in me. You, you taught me well. <laughs> it was like a royal rumble. So you can't teach that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Paul. Um, I kind of have a two-part question. Uh, what just happened within the last five minutes? Um, really quick. Uh, one, I just wanted to ask. Uh, do you think you would have fit it? Fit fitted in. Sorry, fitted in. That's easy for you to say. Yeah. Right. Fitted in with How many a, pints are you uh, in? <laughs> too many at this point, honestly. Seven or eight. He's definitely fit them in. <laughs> he fitted them in. Yeah. Fitted. Do, do you think uh, you would have been better off as a front three instead of the traditional, like with the four formation back then, it wasn't as, um, no one was as creative and. It wasn't as fluid, it was more. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Do you think you would have been no. better off as a front three and gone? Yeah, if you could uh, answer that really quick. 
No, well, it was it was always it was all we knew was four four two. Bish, wasn't it? There exactly. Was no, exactly. There was, yeah. There was no difference. Yeah. And do you think you were no changing? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a it's a difficult question to answer because we didn't know any different. You know, but I always I always remember um, when I went to Blackburn um, and Mark Hughes. Oh, I got signed for Graham as soon as Mark Hughes came in, and actually went to a sort of four three three four five one um, to begin with because we were struggling for relegation, and I was the the number nine, and I knew a lot of people were saying, "What's this little short arse been doing as the number nine? We're never going to be able to get out." But, but I, I actually really enjoyed it because it was actually a number north because the bottom part of the nine was tucked in your shorts. <laughs> it was, it was nice. <laughs> you know, it used to be like that because it was one one size fits all. The short sleeve used to be like three quarters on me, yeah. and to get it done. And but, but but playing as that number nine, I really enjoyed it because when you're up against two two centre-halves, you can stand in the middle of them and yeah. they, they, they don't know who to pick you up. And it was actually, it made me think a lot different about the game because I was always used to being a two, there's two centre-forwards being up against two centre-halves. Yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden, there's this one centre-forward up against two big centre-halves playing the Premier League. And, and you switch um, off between the two, yeah. Yeah, no, but, but at times I just used to stand in the middle of them and, and, and let them work out what they were going to do rather than me having to work out what they were going to do if you were one against one, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and yeah, so to answer your question, it's a difficult one to say, would it have been better back in the day because nobody knew any difference? But once I went to a nine up front on my own, I, I did actually really enjoy it because I could stand still, I could come short, and more often than not, I would I would run the channels and, and then you are one against one, and then you back yourself all the time to go and do something. Yeah, but you can actually toy with them like that as well, Dickie. When, it, when it's two up front, the centre-halves know, oh, that's my man. If they cross exactly, over, I'm going to wait yeah, for him to come. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just going to, he's yeah. going to pass him on. So when, you, when you're that one against two, you can sort of tease them and go over to close to one. And then now he's got to pick it up. And as he comes to you, you'll back away again close to the other one because they don't want to be on top of each other. Because that's the no, whole they're... point. That's what you need to, to occupy two to create that's space right. for they, other people, you know? They don't want to be on top of each other, but at the same no. time... They, 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 they don't want to be left isolated, and that was no. the biggest thing I found. Yeah. You know, and, and you find that if you stood in between the two centre halves, <clears throat> they would question each other. Yeah. If you stood in, in between the full back and the centre half, the centre half would always, always bring his full back right in, more or less, to mark them. <clears throat> because yeah. he didn't want to be left isolated one on one, you know, and it was. And actually, I'll probably say I enjoyed that more playing as a nine than I did as a two at times. As by yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. definitely have a lot more freedom. I I always saw you as a um, as a over Mars mixed with Aguero type. And wow, I'll take that. I, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm throwing out big names. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, we're, and, and now we want to ask if you'll come on, on again the podcast uh, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> just... yeah. No, that, I'll, that... I'll come on again tomorrow. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I am being honest though. That's that's how I I saw you if I were to mix any two players together and. Um, I mean, I am bringing up the, I am bringing up Aguero, and I, I don't know if this will allow you to ask this question, but I, I have, all, I have always wanted to know how you felt about the Aguero goal in 2012 with the QPR and all that, and have, have you seen like the, um, the YouTube clip or something where um, they put the Gillingham game audio from, from Aguero scoring that uh, goal? No, the Aguero, Aguero audio, Aguero audio. is gone on. With yeah, the Gillingham yeah, video. 
I think they did the both. Video, yeah. I think they no, did they, both. They did both. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's the, uncanny. It's they, absolutely uncanny. No, yeah. it, it is. Well, to, to answer the first question, I'm gutted Sergio scored that goal. He stole my thunder. And I'm, yeah. I'm joking. Yeah, that's what I'm I wanted to know. That's what I wanted to know. Hey, look. I celebrate. For me, that's... And I'm not saying this to be humble. That goal is is the best Man City goal ever, and to, to win the league in I that agree. time and and everything else. And you know, people oh, say, oh, stop pulling him up." Not that people say, "Sergio stole your thing." I don't mind for for Man City after where the club were when I first signed I to agree. that QPR game for them to win the championship in the way that they did. Typical Man City style. Um, that's amazing, um, and for me, I, I, think I, I can go to Man City games now, and just I've got a huge man crush on Sergio Aguero. By the way, I, I, <laughs> we I, all do. I, don't I, worry. I, I, Wait a minute, which I, one's I, the huge man? By the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could literally, I could literally watch City for ninety minutes, and being a striker, just watch Sergio Aguero. Yeah, and his movement, watch his movement and yeah, what he does and everything else, and you know he's nudging he's, defenders. He's just, yeah, he's one of the best, if not the best striker. But the thing, the thing is, and the thing is, and I know City fans say this all the time, so it isn't me saying it. The biggest difference between the two goals is that one wouldn't have happened if the other one didn't. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? So, so as far as importance in goals, yeah, Dickies wins it hands down. Uh, look, I, I don't mind getting mentioned the same breath as Sergio Aguero. <laughs> never mind playing. Yeah, second, I wouldn't mind that either. But it never happens. For the <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, Except when they say but, Sergio's uh, great, but Ian's <laughs> even better. Just yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Well, mate, what it is? It, Ian's I mean, seven we, sandwiches we will, outside we will the get to, We we will get to Wembley, but what I don't think a lot of people realise, mate, that you actually scored the equaliser in the semi-final against Wigan before that, right? Which was to me just as important. I mean, I was injured. God knows how. At thirty-five years old, I. I pulled my hamstring for the first time yeah. because normally you can't pull a hamstring unless you run fairly fast, <laughs> and which was something I never, never did, never <laughs> had. The one time my mouth, you beat me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, <laughs> you're probably playing with us in the back garden, and I think I nutmegged yeah, that, you. Yeah, that might have been it. That might, might have been it. <laughs> yeah, kind of nutmegged yeah. you, and then I scored a banger. And then you, right. and then you I didn't, I didn't fall in the, I didn't fall in the fish pond. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you actually did more than once. So, we're so not anyway, so, so, so that semi-final away, the Wigan game, I was injured. I was actually at Main Road watching it on the big screen with the fans and it was it was probably better than being at Wigan. I don't know how you felt there that day. Yeah. It, wasn't the, it wasn't the best ground to go to, Dickie, was it? But, you know, for, for me... To sit with the city fans in in the Kipax, it was. I think there was about seven or eight thousand watching the game on the big screen. And yeah, how I'm, amazing! How amazing were the fans that season, Bish? By the way, mate, it was it was unreal. Well, well, the the beginning of that season, mate. Because don't forget, I'd signed towards the end of the, yeah. the season before, maybe four or five games left, where the club were going down. And um, I remember because I'd come back, people saying to me, "That's it. I've had enough now. Uh, I've taken all I can." It's the lowest point ever in the club's history, and, and as a supporter, I'm not coming back. And I remember, I, th- I think it was Blackpool at home, first game of the season. Yeah. Full house. I remember us talking about it the week before. Yeah. Thinking, oh my God, what, what sort of crowd are we going to get? What's going to happen? Yeah. And full house. What sort of what sort of reaction? And it was a, it was about 30 degrees, Bish, wasn't it that day? Walking mm. down the tunnel at Main Road, 
Mm. And we walked out, and there was 30,000 fans there. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't it, sound a lot, but it was full. Amazing. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't packed. sound a lot, but it, it was, was full. Yeah. It was packed. And, and the atmosphere was unbelievable. Yeah. And and then some of the crap they had to go through from from there to the Christmas time was just... But it seemed it seemed the worse we got <laughs> as a team, the worse the results got. The more they got a kick out of it, the yeah. back is even more, didn't it? Yeah, they did, yeah. Like, Every, every town we went to, every club we went to, every city we went to, they just they just took over the place, didn't they? It was a cup final, wasn't it, for everybody yeah. else as well. Everybody yeah. raised the game. City would come to town. It was. I, I think that helped us in the end. I know we didn't start that season too well, but I think it helped us that it was it was a case where you had to step up. You, you know, going to Lincoln and and York and and places like that. Don't get me wrong, I'd been there before, but I'd been there with Carlisle. I'd been there with a a massive club who were. You know, I'd been used to being the underdog, but and now was, all of a sudden, it was sink or swim, wasn't it? In the end, that's what it came down to. It got, got to the point where, especially <clears> on this <throat> season, I don't know about you, Bish, but I think it was for a lot of us, it was a massive culture shock because it was everybody's cup final, every ground we went to. You know, and they were up for it, whether it was at Main Road and they were coming, and whether we were going to places like Colchester or. Lincoln or York or all these places that shouldn't have been a surprise to us, but we struggled to come to grips with it. And it probably wasn't until, I think, in between Christmas and New Year, we played Wrexham, where actually Terry Cook right. um, absolutely battered us, didn't he? He was alone at Wrexham at the time. Yeah, yeah, he um, did, he yeah. ended up winning 1-0, Gerard Beacon scored. Gerard scored, yeah, Gerard yeah. scored that day. And then the Stoke game where we went in 1-0 down at half-time and it was probably the first time in a while that the fans had properly turned and it, it, I don't remember, it kicked off at half-time. Yeah. And there was finger-pointing, there was a couple of pushes, there was people calling each other everything else and, and to be fair to Big Joe, Big Joe just sat back and said nothing. And as as it, as it all sort of finished the event, Okay then, ladies. Remember, she used to say that. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it basically went. How about you stop talking in here because talk is cheap, and you go and do it out there. And we went out in the second half, and the blatter stoke ended up winning two-one, and we didn't look mm. back after that. No, I think we lost two games towards the end of the season because um, we knew we had so much quality in that team, didn't we? To, to yeah. be to, to be where we were. Um, I think we're 12. It was surreal. It was surreal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, we could have got lost and looked around and and, and got caught up in the whole uh, shenanigans of it all of, of oh, you know what, we're too good for this. Yeah. We don't deserve to be in and lose sight of what you had to do when you actually went out on the field. And, and it wasn't a case of saying it. You had to go and prove it. And yeah. I think that's that's what drove us on a little bit, I, I believe. And And then it comes back to what we said earlier about you know, fighting for each other in the dressing room. Yeah. And, and, we did and, have you know that. And, and I am going to blow smoke up your ass here, because you were brilliant <laughs> with it as well. Because the lads used to get really heated, especially me. I was a, I was a nightmare, wasn't I? I used to get so <laughs> head up and want to run around and kick people and everything else. And and then... That was just training. No, yeah, it was. But then old old granddad here just used to say... <laughs> No, but I wouldn't mind if there was only 35. Yeah. And it was like, but you just used to say things like, whoa, okay, just let's play football. He's like, listen, he, 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 he just used to go, calm down. 
and let's play. Let's, <laughs> Calm down, let's, back in my let's day. Do, let's do what we're good at. And it was so true, wasn't it? But because if we all, as a squad and as a team, we calm ourselves down a little bit and not get caught up in it. Yeah. I, I must think... I must admit, I have said it I have said it in the past. I honestly believe Joe brought me in because of the um the chaos that was happening at the club at the time with like fifty four pros when I signed. Fifty six which is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was it was we did what all the other managers who came and stayed there for a short time and failed. We've been given money to buy players and give them good contracts. They didn't want to leave. And, and get less money, which is half understandable. But yeah. it ended up that when what Joe inherited was a massive squad on big wages, and he needed to change the whole environment yeah. of, of the club and the dressing room. And I, I do believe he brought me in to bring the dressing room together. I know I did have some abilities as a footballer that he thought I could use, but I do honestly believe I did have a bit of a reputation before that of... It was bringing, the whole package of bringing you in, Fish. It was the, the quality, it was the what you bring to the changing room, what you bring to individuals. Because you used to sit down and you, I was taking the piss a bit there, but you you were the senior pro. You'd been there, you'd played in the Premier League for God knows how many years. You know, and you used to take people forget. All right, there was you and Andy came in, Tommy Wright, but it was quite a young squad. There was people yeah. like me and Kev who were twenty six, twenty seven. Jeff Whitley, Jeff Whitley, Killer. Brown, <clears throat> yeah, um, Lee Crooks, Weaves, Weaves was a baby. Yeah. do you know what I mean? Those Vaughnie, Edgy, Vaughnie, Edgy, and even people. Remember Gary Mason played a lot that season. Danny yeah. Alsop, all yeah. these young kids that, that they needed help and needed guidance. But but when when you're a low, most people look after themselves, don't they? Yeah. And and that's what had happened at the club. But but when you and a few other characters came in, and I, and I will say, look, yeah, I'm a mucker and everything else. I will blow smoke up your backside. You know, that was exactly what the club needed. Oh, and, 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 and Joe knew that. Joe knew exactly what he was getting when he brought you in, and it, it and it was it was a genius move. I think oh, I appreciate that mucker. Mm. Why I, did you I never think... tell me that when I was with you? <laughs> <laughs> We were too busy getting up the lift. That was way too sensible. <laughs> I think, it was, yeah. That, I, that conversation could never have happened. I think a lot of a lot of fans don't don't you know, my like myself included, I watch football. I mean I watch City every weekend they're on. You don't think about that, what what goes on in the dressing room. You don't think about those club players. And I think that uh, you know, that's what we really saw when company left after uh last season i mean we saw a captain leave you know we saw that that sort of that that voice in the dressing room disappear as well and and you can talk all day about how good he was on the field but like it, it really makes an impact on on how he is in the dressing room and how people like that were in the dressing room and and again not to bull you up ian like connor did last uh episode but oh you can uh, if you want well I, i'll steer clear of it you know for <laughs> but oh, um no. I think I think it's 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 becoming evident that it's extremely important to have those players in the dressing room like that, you know. No, it is. And look, I still don't believe, and I know Bishop will one hundred percent agree with this. I don't think Joe gets the credit now that he deserves for, for no. what he did. You know, and no. if you take into context. Now I'll go back to when I first signed. I signed on the on the Friday for Alan Ball, 
Um, didn't train. One against Stoke on this Saturday's sub at half time, and Alan Ball gets sacked on the Sunday. And I was like, oh, cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Um, Jesus. But then, this was the end of August, beginning of September. From then to the January, I had five different managers. <laughs> and, and, and each manager was allowed. So I'd obviously had Alan Ball, then I'd Asa, Asa Hartford, Steve Coppel, Phil Neal, and then Frank Lack in January. So every single manager, and it's not their fault, were allowed to bring in their own players. <clears throat> and, and then Frank Clark was allowed to bring in giving a lot of money to bring in players so so when Joe came in and he'd, he'd 56 pros and you think that Premier League clubs now have 25 in a squad yeah. he'd 56 and the whole atmosphere around the place was poison and I don't blame the managers or the players because the players didn't want to leave because they were on big contracts but how, how Joe managed that whole situation and, and was able to get out the ones he wanted to get out keep the ones he wanted to keep and then bring in exactly what the squad was needed it was genius for me and I remember sitting down with Joe at Park Lane and he, he, he pulled me in one day and he went and ironically Bishop it was, it was your first full season it was the season's division two and he said to me Wigan I've just come in for you and he went Dickie he said I don't want to leave you I don't want you to leave he said I want to keep you he went but we need to get money in and he went what do you think and I went Gaffer I'm not gone and I said I'm not gone I said, I want to stay here and get us, and at least try and help us get out of the mess that we've got ourselves into. And he went, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. He went, cheers. <laughs> um, I thought you went, um, you've just signed Bish, and I've heard he's a scream in the pub. Yeah. And I want to sample some of it. <laughs> yeah. no, I think he thought, I've just <laughs> signed, his room, no, I, I think he thought, I've just signed Bish, so I need to get rid of you. It's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> But but, but how well, Joe managed that whole situation, and especially in look, when he brought Jock Andy Morrison in, Jock gets rightly so so much credit for it. But mate, frightening man, isn't yeah. he? Wasn't he? Isn't he? I remember um, he brought me down for a penalty in training. I don't know if you remember this, bitch. And Willie gave a penalty, and Jock was raging and raging, calling me everything under the sun. And I turned around and I went, "Big man, I said it was a penalty." He literally picked me up with one arm and threw me about 20 yards away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the dinner lady could have done that with you anyway. Yeah, a little rag dog. <laughs> <laughs> but Jock always tells the story, and this is how much of a little dick I was. This is a Scots fella calling somebody else Jock. Yeah. Um, when he was at Huddersfield this season. Who was English. <laughs> <laughs> I played against him at Main Road. And I was at him and I was snarling and Jock lost his temper. He literally wanted to kill me. And and then Jock tells it better. <laughs> Jock said to himself, he went, look, just calm down. He's a little whatever. And I've turned around to him just before. <laughs> I, I've turned around to Jock just before half time and went, me and you in the tunnel. <laughs> and, <I have> time, <laughs> and, Andy, <laughs> and Andy just burst out laughing. And he thought, and he left it. He said, and he's going. He's went down the tunnel at Main Road, and I'm standing there waiting on him. He said, and all he could do was start laughing. He said, it was like Scrappy Doo. It was sitting there waiting for somebody to. Let me at him. Let me at him. That's brilliant. I did have I did have one running with him, mate, and he was he was a frightening man. I mean, look, if it was in a pub, if it was in a pub, and I'd had a beer, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have backed down at all. But. It was during the game, and it, I, I just he was kept pinging these balls out, and he wasn't missing. I he remember kept pinging, well. his, I pinging remember his balls out from from centre back to the wingers, 
And I was showing every time, showing every time, and he was putting it over my head. And I just had enough, and I went, and I'm going to say it on air as well. I'm going to go, would you give me the fucking ball, you cunt? <laughs> and he's going, what do you call me? I went, yeah, and then he just started, his face started exploding, you know, that, when you knew he'd gone. And and he, he literally had to stop himself during the game from coming and getting me. And then half time as we were walking off, he come and walked up alongside me, put, put his arm round me. Arm round you, yeah. Yeah, and he, he sort of crushed me a little bit. Harry went, do you ever call me that again? I'll kill you. <laughs> I was like, OK. <laughs> OK. But he, he was, was frightened, buddy. He was amazing. And, and he gets so, rightly so, he gets the credit. But, yeah. but you, I don't think you get the credit that you deserve for what you did that season as well, mate. When you no, don't worry, mate. I used to pat myself on the back all the time. <laughs> I know that. That's why I'm only telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember, going back, going back, look, the wig and the one each, people forget that. You actually scored in that game. Yeah. We have an, <laughs> in, the, in the second leg, we actually went through... With a man boob. We did. We did. did. Goat. With a man Sean boob. Goater's, Sean Goater's tits. Yeah. <laughs> did you not remember the song that all the lads used to sing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on, yeah. mate. Sing it. Sing it for the podcast. <laughs> Goater's got big boobies. Goater's got big boobies. <laughs> <laughs> People thought it was handball, what they don't see is his right knocker actually swung out in front of his arm and made contact with the ball to put it in to win. <laughs> it put us through 1-0 to get to that Wembley final. Yeah. Sean Goater's tits. I think that tops we, the Maradona. We were so lucky that night as well, by the way. Yeah, a Wasn't little it? bit. Yeah. So Are you talking about the game or afterwards? <laughs> about the game. But, uh, you know, even before we came on here, and obviously everybody knows that we spoke beforehand, you know, saying think of things to talk about I'll fast forward to, to the Blackburn game and talking about that quarter song you remember the changing room afterwards and we're all celebrating yeah like, that was the next topic that was the next topic yeah. the Blackburn yeah, game and you yeah. scoring again and then, and then um, I think it was Jeff Whitley and Mark Kennedy it's, all the sky cameras are in there we're going up every single we're going up and Jeff Whitley starts singing Goater's got big boobies <laughs> 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 Why? Why and do you then, think? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go, go on. No. I'll why do you think that. he had big tits? On. Yeah. Why do you think? <laughs> no, I was gonna say, why do you think the the Wembley goal at, like had such a cult following, but the Blackburn goal didn't get that sort of it, today? It doesn't get the recognition it deserves, and it. I and think it, you're bang on. I, I think you're bang on with that because the, the Blackburn game was the one that got us back into the Premier League. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think. I think the Gillian game being 2 all down in 89 minutes and yeah. it being at Wembley getting back to 2 all, and then the penalty shootout Weezy's celebration there was yeah there was more emphasis on that at the time there was more despair I mean? almost there was more the story of despair in the beginning yeah, yeah can I just ask it. can I just ask why you're not asking why the substitution at Wembley wasn't was talked about more than the substitution of Blackburn what, is that when we brought it was 0-0 when we you, brought yeah. you on and, the and then we were 2-0 down 2-0 <laughs> no, down and then we were 2-0 yeah. down not long after <laughs> don't spoil the it game. don't spoil it the game massively <laughs> <laughs> yeah just in case you haven't seen the highlights that substitution was a was a real I'm just trying highlight. to get in here I'm just feeling a little bit left out yeah but you you're, know, on, you're, you're on the podcast every week so we can talk about whatever you want <laughs> next week <laughs> alright I'm doing it by myself next week that was your birthday that was your birthday the night before as well yeah, 
Sure was, mate, yeah. It was. Yeah. He's 45. <laughs> mate, that black, going, going back to the Blackburn game, they hit the post, the post and the bar about four times. We were 1-0 down. How, we were actually 1-0 down when it came on that time. So. We, we should be able to double substitution, mate. We were 1-1 at the same time. Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, we did. I remember you saying, I don't know if you do, you said to me on the bench just before half time, they went, <laughs> Where are we going tonight? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a given, anyway. You <laughs> um, went to me, This game is crying out for us. Literally just yeah. before half time. You said the went, same thing about the pop. We, we should have <laughs> been 5 0 down at half time. Matt yeah. Anson, Ashley Ward. Yanni hit the post about three or four times, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and then the scored. Yeah. And and you basically meant Joe <laughs> not that and they loved the gaffer done it, didn't he? He went, yeah. this was your football brain, mate. You just you need me to calm the game down and you to stretch the game and be a pain in the backside. And then I think it was about ten minutes into the second half, fifteen minutes they brought us on, didn't he? One all down. Yeah. And I'll pat me in the back and I'll pat you in the back when we did change the body game that day. Well, look, I mean, without me being like directly involved in any of the goals, I know I know what I did bring was was to relax everybody and settle people down and maybe get a few more passes in than, yeah. than we were actually doing. But, mate, you, I, I, I just remember you harassing, was it Christian Daly for one Christian, of the goals? Yeah. And then you end up getting your own goal. I think people look at, at Killer's goal that day because of... The celebrations where he runs up to Joe. I With think that Joe. was yeah. was that the second goal or the third goal? And yeah, I think the Christian Daly's goal. The, the Chris... goal got us back in it. The, yeah, the goal did. Yeah, Kev Orlock whipped in as he did all the time. Great He's... ball, mate. Yeah. Great yeah. player as well, by the way, Kev. Wasn't it? Well, what a lad. Oh, what a nutcase, mate. Talk about people in the <laughs> What a lad. We we need another show to actually start talking about Kev. <laughs> it's actually one of my claims to fame that somebody's so mental actually says that I was his hero growing up because he was a kid at West Ham. And he did he did say to me once, which takes a lot of doing, to be fair, similar to what I did with, with Liam Brady on, after his last game and I played alongside him, I went, can I have your shirt? And he said, why? Because all the time I'd been training with him, drinking with him, playing golf with him. I never told him he was one of my heroes, yeah. you know? So so this was similar with Kev until he came out with it one day. I think he's got Cristiano Ronaldo's shirt from one of his international games. He's got a couple of other big names now. He asked me for one of my West Ham shirts and he said it's going to take pride of place. And to have somebody like that who's just is your regular teammate, your regular nutcase. Yeah, and he was he, a nutcase. He was absolute crackers, wasn't he? <clears throat> what, a, what a great lad. Unbelievable. I mean, um, when you go through the squad, mate, you know, look, Eddie, what a miserable git he looks like <laughs> and people think he is. <laughs> But you need all them different characters to make the whole thing blend and flow. No. You know, Gerard reminds me in a way of Timmy Breaker that he wasn't directly involved with all the shenanigans. But when the shenanigans was happening, if you looked he around, there. he was always he there, was there. with a smile there. on his face. And similar to Goats, we talked earlier about people who don't drink and you don't really trust them. The Goats was always there. <laughs> With a big smile, and and when you asked him, like you know, yeah, you don't drink, but you're always one. He went, I can't help but want to watch you lot do exactly. what you do. A bit, a bit you know what I mean? It, it, the goat was just that high in life that you thought he was drunk half the time anyway, and he never mm. touched it. I mean, no, he didn't need it, did he? 
No, I mean, we didn't. funny <clears> enough, <throat> used to bring us to all these. Uh, I remember they used to have all the parties at the hotels and that. And I think you were the only one that brought kids because all the. I remember Whitley. Um, all the other parents didn't allow their kids to drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I saw some things that, like, uh, like five, six years old, that have stuck with me until this day. And we'd go to these parties, and you're like, "Hey, come over here and look at this." And it would—I mean, I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast, but it would be the most outrageous thing that even a teenager would see. And <laughs> at six, five years old, I'm going, "Okay, I, I can't even comprehend what is going on. Two females kissing or something like that." Like, and you were just like, "Yeah, look at this." These two well, girls. I've never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Show me that You got some memory, Con. You got some memory. <laughs> no, I do, yeah. But I remember you getting, uh, some of them, like, uh, Sean Go. I remember you, Paul, as well. Like, um, you used to play hide and seek with us and that when we were kids. And, um, at these parties, though, that's the thing. It's like, my dad would bring no, us to did, these. Go on. But you know what? As, as much as. As much as we were lads and we liked to have a drink and everything else, we done a lot with the families and we done a lot with the yeah. girls and nights out at Midbush. Yeah, we did, yeah, you know always. I mean? We always met up, always, and a night out would always, well, not always be with the girls. Always. Um, I remember we went to Marbella, didn't we? Tommy Wright and Annie. <laughs> and, and Mate, we're getting to that, we're getting to... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what we're I mean? Getting... So it, it wasn't just the lads on the lash constantly. The, the families were hugely involved as well. Yeah, I mean, I can I can vouch for that as well. I remember, I mean, I I, I remember all the times we we met up. I mean, I, I felt included the whole time, you know. And I'm not being paid to say this, but um, I I was included on, you know. I I remember we used to play football. Um, well, Dickie Dickie time. needed someone his own size to play with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't two foot you did I mean we're not getting onto that anyway. <laughs> yeah, actually, hey, mate, do you remember, do you remember the, the trip to London do you remember the trip to London <laughs> with the, uh, the first remember. division we actually went we listened to the was it the Charlton game it we was beat, us or Charlton yeah we beat Birmingham on the Friday night didn't we and it was the PFA yeah. doing the Sunday so we all decided to go down a, a little bit early <laughs> yeah a little bit early <laughs> Jesus and, and then we ended up listening to the Blackburn game together, uh, the Charlton game together, didn't we? Yeah, we all sat in a, um, a little pub in the corner, didn't we? Yeah. Not far from the hotel we were in. I mean, that was the difference with Joe. That's that's what he allowed us to do, you know? It was all obviously sanctioned by the gaffer, but he knew that we wanted to be together, and it was such an important time. Yeah. Um, but, but, but Joe as well, it, it wasn't five or six that done it. It was everybody, wasn't it? It was everybody, yeah. All or nothing yeah. it was, yeah. Oh, everybody together. <clears throat> and, and similar with the similar with the Christmas party in Dublin, mate. It's fitting that it's Easter weekend, isn't it? Uh, I know. Yeah. Do you remember? I'm going to quiz you here now. Do you remember that who we played the home game before we got the police escort to the airport? We do because I was suspended. It was Chester in the FA Cup. No, no, no. There was a home game. If we'd have drew with Chester in the FA Cup, we'd have played the replay on the Tuesday which would have scuppered the Christmas party. But we played somebody at home on a Saturday. I'm going to test your knowledge here. No. We played somebody at home on a Saturday, and then we left. Because if you remember, the, the Chester game was a replay. We won the replay. I was, and if, 
I was suspended, so I was at home. So I, uh, you know, okay. I got a get out card in that one. All right, so I, mean, I, was always, I, I think it was, was always, always, always suspended around about the time of the party. <laughs> but enough. I think it was um, Swindon at home, Kev's old, t- yeah. old team. I think we beat Swindon and we got a police escort from yeah. um, well, I'm, to I'm the airport. We were out in Dublin by eight o'clock on the Saturday <laughs> night. So the Christmas parties were just one day normally, weren't they? And we, we, yeah digressed because one day wasn't enough for us and I'd been being the older statesman I went in and asked you oh didn't I can we have the Monday off if we if we didn't have a a replay replay in the FA Cup yeah and we we did on the show last week mate about singing we're all going to Dublin after I scored me three three weeks ago I think (laughs) three weeks ago sorry mate that's all right. and um, yeah that, that was an interesting one but one had to put your dad to bed (laughs) <laughs> Again, hey, don't yeah. worry. We have to do that every single. No, yeah, no. That, that's that's I, normal after the pub. And then and then I got up and said, "No, I'm going to have to sleep in my own room, mate, tonight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After after I clean his sack out the bath, this was. <laughs> no, that was a different one. That was a different Christmas party. Oh, Again, we do that as well. That was the yeah. year after. Don't be, don't be doing that. I was getting. I'm going to get to that later. Changing I've got some. Up. I've got some questions about that for you later. That was a different one. See. Yeah. The, the, other, the, the, the Dublin one. The Dublin one was. Did the Dublin one was? Did you land any punches in the hotel? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I know I did. I know I did. Because I've still got the scar. <laughs> All right, we need a we need a recap of what happened here because <laughs> no, we story, can't. Story time. We can, we, <laughs> no, we can't go into that story. We've got loads left, though. All right. Yeah, loads and loads. No, we did we did get into a little bit of a kerfuffle in the hotel on the last night, <laughs> uh, which again we were all together. We were all together, weren't but... we? Yeah, I was a certain, certain Mister Whitley, if, if I remember right, as well. It could have been, yeah. He he yeah. come Sounds up to me. Right, yeah. be, well, because I was in charge, I'd gone to Joe and said, "Look, don't worry. If there's any shit goes on, I'll take the blame and that." And then, obviously, uh, Jeff, who who now is is I don't think he's had a drink for about five years. He's he, he's, he's a counsellor now. For, he's Absolutely done brilliant for amazing. himself. Yeah. He's you know I've seen him last time I was home, and and he's quality. Such a well, you remember him, you two, don't you? When you were when you were babies, he, he was always yeah. the one that came over. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Jeff's now yeah. Jeff's now doing great stuff. But back then, him and him and Killer were a little bit off the charts. And uh, <laughs> time and bomb, <laughs> time and bomb, them. we used to call him. Yeah, because <laughs> he was always it was always going to go off at some yeah. stage. <laughs> so so I think that night Jeff had come over and gone. Look, we're missing Manchester. We normally. Of a weekend, we normally go out and cause some shit in Manchester. Is it okay if we start a fight? So I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to. Uh, you know what? I didn't want to let. I didn't want to let them down. I went, oh, go on then, but hurry up. <laughs> so, it, so it kicked off in the hotel, and then it was a big melee, and the guard that turned up didn't need the, the Irish police, and I don't know. It was it was just <laughs> fists flying everywhere. Um, it was just us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just just a regular night out, really. <laughs> uh, luckily enough, not and, luckily enough, not and got back to the club. So so when we got back in training Tuesday, we were all we were all away with it. 